Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California in the United States, but I'm living here in beautiful Wuhan, China. And today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Schur. I am from the Northeast part of China, and I'm speaking to you from Beijing, China. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. You know, I wanted to talk about financial habits around the world because, you know, the way that money is invested, is spent, it's, it's utilized, is completely different. In different places, and you know, I'm from the United States. I've I've noticed a lot of them here in China, and I know that you lived in the United States uh, a few years back. Yep. And so I thought we could share some stories about like how money is different Let's. from one place to another. I'd like to tell you a story about how irresponsible Jason is. Can we start with that? I would love to hear that. I think that's a great start of the show. <laughs> you know, every I think in every show I show a little bit of my irresponsibility, but today is going to be especially, <laughs> you know, there's this thing in America called bankruptcy. When I was in college, I didn't really understand. How, okay, so I actually didn't go straight into college. I firstly, I went into the real world and I worked for a few years. Oh. And then I thought I thought I understood, oh, how, how the world works. And then I decided, hey, you know, I need a college education yep. uh, to get to the next level. And so I, I went to college. I started at like age 20 or 21. I actually finished high school at like 15 years old. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so you had a very substantial uh, working experience yeah, between yeah, high yeah. school and college. Yeah, I started working at Subway Sandwiches and Salads when I was like 16 or 17 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like limited time or whatever because you're underage a bit. Anyways, yeah. eventually I got a credit card. I was like, yes, I need this thing to, in America, you need a credit card to build credit. So everyone's supposed to get a credit card, even if they have the mind of a five-year-old, which it did. <laughs> so Yeah, words <laughs> even, not mine. <laughs> hey, I, I was getting an education, but my maturity level was certainly not what it should have been so anyways i got this credit card and i was like yay i can buy whatever i want and, <laughs> and so i did actually the first couple years it was all right i was just kind of being you know a little irresponsible a little i'm sure a little mm. irresponsible but eventually i was like you know i could use a couple suits you know like and i don't have to, any plan to pay this suit money back by the end of the month yeah but i have credit so yay so i i went out and i spent way too much money and then like i realized you know hey you know, there's a 17% interest is actually a lot of interest. <laughs> it is. You know, it's not like, you know, it gets away from you so fast because it's it compounds so quickly. You don't see it just just moves yeah. faster than your, you know, I, I didn't sit down when I got my credit card and think, OK, this amount of interest equals how much more debt over how much more time. I was just like, yeah. oh, this is the amount of credit they gave me. And this is the credit in the interest rate they gave me. There must be for some larger reason. I didn't think it's to poach everything I have. <laughs> Eventually got to the point where I was just like paying out you know hand over fist just to keep yep. my credit cards paid eventually i couldn't anymore it was not possible 
to make the payments. They were just go growing out of control, and I unfortunately had to file for bankruptcy uh, just for my credit cards. It didn't all my other uh, you know asset debt, all that stuff. I left it alone. It was just for my credit cards, and I got rid of credit cards. And I was like, okay, I don't want these things. They're the source of all evil or whatever. And I, <laughs> and so I stopped having them. I just had a debit card from then on mm -hmm. because I was like, this is not a good idea for me. And uh, you know, I think this happens to a lot of Americans. You know, and I was watching the uh, the the credit ratio that Americans have yeah. recently. And uh, a lot of people got this stimulus re relief money. And so a lot of people were at home during the pandemic mm -hmm. and they got checks, literally checks from the government for like, I think, 1200 and 800 or something like that. Yeah. They got like a two or three thousand dollars each American just for being an American. They got all this money. And so you what you saw is, hey, all of a sudden the credit card debt in the United States dropped considerably and people were using that to pay off their credit cards because they knew they were just at home yeah and be, people were being responsible and the really sad thing is that uh since the there's no more stimulus relief money coming the amount of credit card debt is almost back Up again. it's almost mm. back exactly where it was so like i wonder why people did not le learn their lesson but i did learn my lesson and i don't have a credit card to this day since then that time i don't even know how long ago 12 13 years ago yeah i i was just like i'm not going to do this uh i don't care about my credit score i don't yeah. care i'll just use cash i'll save cash for what i need and i'll buy things in cash and that works for me and i everything that you know i can get a home here in china no problem like i can walk in there and it's like yeah yeah you i have you know not 20 percent. i have like 50 percent or whatever like and they'll be yay come this is your new apartment if i, <laughs> if I want it but like i don't i think credit cards are crazy they're just a crazy institution so yeah go ahead go ahead when i when i first moved to the states the whole idea of having a credit uh score to rent apartments for me was very new granted renting an apartment was a new experience for me at that time anyways because you know we all live at we all lived in uh dorms in china it was very very rare for people to live off campus because the dorm is mm. you know it's it's super affordable i think in college it's right there next to the school exactly on the school yeah. i was paying uh a thousand dollars per year for my um for my dorm and for my wow. i was very it was very cheap um i remember i was trying to rent an apartment with uh my later on roommates in boston and they were like oh yeah uh we need your credit score and it's moments like that that make me go like, you know, I don't have a credit score. I just came here from China. I don't have a credit score. And they're like, oh, then you need a cosign. And I'm like, what is a cosign? Like just someone who could just sign a name on there for me. I was like, I don't know. And they're like, it needs to be someone who's an American citizen who could basically be responsible for the rent that you will owe if you were to just just vanish without paying rent i was like mm. we mm. just got here we don't have american friends who are willing to just <laughs> sign that for me so it was like it put us in a really awkward position and we were able to get the either the agent or someone that we knew whatever to just you know sort it out for us but there were a lot of problems like that that happened and then when you were talking about american uh students with uh well american people with with loans and credit card it's kind of like i saw that a lot like i for in china student loan isn't a thing it doesn't exist. Education is so affordable here. Right. And then even if you need uh, help, you need support, then you just write. Basically, you write a letter and you let the government, you let the school and the government know that this is the situation. 
of your family and you need support and they give you like scholarships that actually cover everything that you will need which is not that crazy amount to begin with yeah yeah that's why like i know the scholarships is a huge deal in the united states for a lot of people because having a scholarship and not having a scholarship are completely two different situations well also i had a ton of scholarships too but the thing about is a lot of scholarships are like a thousand dollars and you know like that doesn't cover tuition for like one semester no so if you so what you have to do is spend the entire summer applying for like 200 scholarships of which you'll get like 30 or 40 and then i had straight a's yeah so of, of which you'll get like 20 or 30 or 40 to cover like tuition and then you still need to take out loans for like rent and other things it's yeah like, the, the cost of education in america is ludicrous and i i i that i felt like it's for me some for someone who grew up in a financial system uh here in china where we're always very cautious with debts like having debts is not a thing that makes me what makes us feel like oh it's just a financial situation it makes mm-hmm. us feel like it's unstable it's a huge burden on our back but my friends in the states they were like you know i knew these kids from berkeley college of music which is one of the best music colleges in the world and they were graduating with three hundred sixty thousand dollars oh on their gosh. back and i'm like but when you look at how they live they're not living as if they knew like they do know, but they're living as if there's no debt that's going to fall on their their shoulder when they graduate. They were still renting like mm, apartments mm. that go for, I don't know, like $1,700 per month or twenty yeah $2,000 per month. And they were wow. eating out all the time. And, you know, they're not really working because, you know, they're artists and they don't want to just do trivial jobs that don't contribute to the building of their crafts. So I'm just like, I have friends who recently, he's 46 and he just posted on his uh, social media. He's like, I finally paid (laughs) off my student loan. And I'm like, oh God, I I don't know how to, I don't know how to live like that. Student loans are a whole other issue. You know, I, I'm not sure I entirely wanted to go that route, but, you know, student loans have been something that has created an enormous burden for the United States, not just like individuals, Absolutely. but it's like 40 to 50 million people owe collectively like 1.7 trillion U.S. dollars in student loans. It's like the largest debt of its kind in the United States. Mm. It makes mortgages look like, you know, anyways. So what's happened because of the pandemic, a lot of people, you know, were not prepared to restart mm-hmm. paying their student loans. They just keep throwing it back three yeah. months again three months again three months again to where people don't need to make their payments and there there's no interest accruing but i guess people are still in university so the total amount of student debt is still increasing yeah because the total amount of people taking out loans is still going yeah. although the interest rate has been paused and people are like i guess they're getting counted they're counting for making payments even though they're not technically making payments mm-hmm. it's basically the entire system has gotten so cumbersome that they just turned it off but it's still there there and like they there are all these different politicians with all these different ideas from every side of the spectrum like throwing their like two cents in as to like how to solve the problem but no one really knows what to do and it's this colossal economic catastrophe waiting to happen if there's an economic downturn when they turn the student loans back on it is going to be catastrophic i know i just from a personal observation it's just like i don't think people are unaware of these situations but it seems like that is not changing their decision-making process when it comes to their oh, wow. personal financial life. For me, I'm the same with you, Jason. I never had a credit card until I was in the U.S. 
And it was kind of like, oh, you know, it's hard. You know, it doesn't hurt to have one when they're the bank would really sell it to you. They're like, oh, you're having a debit card. OK, you need a credit card. And then some payment online payment methods are only for you can only use credit card as online payment method. You can't use your debit card. When I was a, when I was younger, really young, like credit card was something that you had to make a major purchase. And it's not something you used all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was you know, like but increasingly it, it's taken over American life in a way that it didn't used to so the banks just made it a necessity they manufactured a need to have a credit score Mm. where what didn't used to be a big deal now you want to go get a job like a white collar or you know a good job they're going to check your credit score yeah which is so okay so wait someone didn't pay off their student loan on time for a few months or something yeah now they can't get the job they need to pay off their student loan so exactly i thought that has always been super mind-boggling for me like i never understood it it's the chicken and the egg it's crazy and and here's a, a personal thing so i never really got to close my bank account in the united states right so it's just kind of sitting there i hope that's not illegal but um no i have a, i have one too <laughs> right so it's just sitting there and, and and i don't have money and then there are some reoccurring uh charges from my bank uh into my account that took off the sufficient amount of balance that uh, the bank needs to not charge a maintenance fee that they, but, they and they made all those rules but up. the thing is the thing is jason this is what I don't understand as a Chinese as a Chinese person. The amount of money I have in my bank account is the amount of money I put in my bank account. And if it was me or any other institution that were to extract money from the account, the amount limit is the amount that exists in my bank account. I don't know how when I had, for example, $20 left in my bank account and a recurring payment needs to get $37 from my bank account. They were able to get $37 out, from, uh, out of my bank account. I'm like, where did that $17 come from? Mm-hmm. And then when they, when they did that, they're like, oh, wait, we have to charge you an overdraft fee. I'm like, hold on a second. What? I know. It's it's insane. Like, I think Americans m- may not understand the degree to which it's insane. Or maybe they do. And they're just like, I, they, there's, they feel like powerless to do anything about it. In China, like, the amount of money in your bank account is the amount of money in your bank account. Yeah. There is, yeah, you can't go over that. If you try to, it will just stop you. It'll be like, hey, what are you trying to do here? Yeah, and it's... You got five kwai. You can't spend 20 kwai. Exactly. And it's not even my credit card. It's my savings account. My checking account. Sorry. It's my checking account and i'm like how do you just get money that's not in my bank account deliberately do it so that they can charge you an overdraft fee it's invented and then you can actually turn it off i think in most banks you can go into the bank and say i want you to not allow me to you know go over my limit and then you you, they'll look here's your 17 forms you have to fill out (laughs) like exactly talking about being spoiled i'm like no that shouldn't be something that i need to tell you not to do yeah it was really there's no you know, what's really interesting in China, like there's no fee for having a bank account. So in America, in some banks, they have like, you have to have at least, I don't yes. know, like $2,000 or so. And then we won't charge you any money for keeping your bank here, yep. your money in our bank. But in China, you could open an account and put a hundred kwai in there Just and leave be it like, there. okay, great. Thank you. And you could come back 10 years later. There's a hundred kwai in your bank account. Kind of kwai, maybe like a couple of change, some changes, but yeah, they, I, they charged, <laughs> I lost, uh, I think two, $300 for the, to the, to the, the management fee. Like, oh, you don't have 
enough money in your bank account that's why we're going to charge you more i'm like uh, <laughs> just ex- imp- my mind just imploded i'm like mm, i don't understand but it's okay it, yeah it, it's <laughs> a ludicrous system and you know yes i do know because my wife told me about it they have credit cards over here too but people don't go into like spiraling yeah crippling credit card debt i don't know anyone in that situation no not not, not that anyone i know at all my my mom had a credit card oh yeah I actually lied I, the first credit card that i used not that i owned um was my mom's credit card it was like a you know like the the little sub credit card for to my mom's credit card when i went to the states because she's like you need to use this you know this is a visa card you'll be able to spend money uh just in case you need it even that like we never really owed anything every month we just want to pay it back and then i would never spend more than what the limit is mm, mm. um because that's related to i remember that's related to your credit score as well in the states right if you use more than 30 mm. percent uh, of your of your of your limit you your score goes down or whatever it's a whole system of how to raise your credit score yeah you actually have to use your credit card too so you can't just get like a credit card and never use it and expect your credit to go up in the united states they want you to take out a certain amount of debt and then pay off that debt within exactly a certain amount of ideal algorithmic time you have to know this algorithm exactly you have to deliberately play to this algorithm in order to attempt to build credit which makes no sense at all the keyword is certain right there's a there's a line there's like a little section in the amount that they want you to stay in like you can't spend more than that you can't spend lower than that like either way you're gonna hurt yourself so you have to stay within this exact section i'm like then why don't you just give me that section like why do you put <laughs> if you want me to spend five hundred dollars per month to keep a good credit score why do you give me three thousand dollars limit i'm just like i don't understand because this is not money that's gonna be you know supported or, or someone's gonna give me that money and I can spend it whether i repay it or not it's money that i have to pay from my own bank account like i have to pay for it from my own wallet if i don't have that why do you let me spend that you know i agree with you completely and i think the thing is americans agree with us what we're saying completely this is not a right-wing left-wing you know debate this really is not shouldn't a political be debate. this this is everyone is like why are the banks allowed to do this yeah why do my representatives like let this happen and it's just the banking yep. system yep. they go lobby every side of the the political spectrum yeah to to allow these kinds of things to go on yeah so that the average american is in debt and, and in crippling debt to banks so that banks can control the the income that these people are making. And instead of that going to their families, that's going to bankers' families. That is so, that's just kind of obnoxious for me. You know, I had this uh, personal incident as well. Like when I um, first moved to, oh, when I was moving away from Boston to Charlotte, I need to just, you know, do some paperwork with the bank and something that I needed to do. And I went in there and the bank, what you got, the banker received me and he said, uh, I need your ID. So I gave him my passport and then he said, I need your second ID. And I think I gave him my uh, student card from Boston University. And then he said, I need a third photo ID. I'm like, I do not have a third photo ID. And he's like, you have a driver's license? I said, I don't have a driver's license, you know. And then he goes, well, then um, I can't verify it's you because your signature looks different than the signature you had when you first came to the States. 
And of course, that's that was after like a 20 minutes kind of back and forth where I was having a lot of attitude from this banker. <laughs> and I got really irritated. And I said, look, I said, look, look, mister, I am from China. And in China, when we use credit card, we don't rely on the signature that's on the back of your card to verify that's you. Because I have been imit like mimicking my mom's signature to sign off on my homework <laughs> since I was seven. So we don't trust that. We don't trust that system. We don't trust the signature. And I didn't know that I had to have a same signature ever since I existed in your country <laughs> to be able to use my own money. And I was like, so for all of these reasons, yes, my signature changed because I had to develop one after I came to the States and I was giving him so much trouble. And I was like, I, I know exactly what you mean. And I always felt really weird because my signature, I'm one of those people as I'm writing, I'll literally write the letter A or T or whatever different the second time I write it. Right? Like my, my handwriting is changing from one second to the next, from one minute to the next, from one day to the next. And none of my signatures look the same Ugh. because that's like the way my brain processes information. So I was in South Korea and I was like, mm -hmm. I lived there for a year and I was like, I'm just going to put an X like in, you know, a TV show or something yeah. on everything I did. And people sometimes I would actually change it. I would just put a smiley face in the signature. People would look at it and kind of giggle and then just <laughs> move on because what are they going to do about it? I'm like buying a coffee and they're like, uh, here, yeah, you use your debit card or whatever. And they're like, OK, sign here. Yeah. Let's just put a smiley face. Boom. Or an X. And people were just like, yeah, OK, whatever. What I'm I'm guy works as I'm a barista. I'm not going to like call you out for your signature. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do like the fact that when i was in the states like for credit card if there was a fraudulent transaction on my credit card they could very you know immediately block that but it's also like how do you really help with information security with the bank and stuff like you can't really and i i imagine most of the money isn't actually lost with fraudulent transactions it's probably all of these yeah you yeah, know yeah. automatic resubscription uh, subscriptions or whatever things that they just charge and you don't know and it's already done you're like ah oh, whatever I'll cancel it next year and then you always forget. You know, it's not just the signature thing. I think there's or like the debt, the credit cards and all that. There's other things that are really different. Like, you know, in America, you have the option to like have the uh, I guess it what is a Bluetooth enabled chip or something inside your credit card to pay. But people don't. Mm -hmm. They still use cash. And I think and, you know, America keeps talking about, oh, it's moving towards a cashless economy. But they've been saying that for 10 years. The thing <laughs> about in China is like eight or nine years ago, they were like, OK, we're going to move to a cashless economy. The month after that. No one had cash. It was just like completely different. Yeah. Like I don't use cash. I, I have some cash in a drawer somewhere, but like I don't ever use it. You know, like I just have my phone and it gives a QR code or it scans a QR code. And that's how I pay for everything. Me too. I remember when I because when that happened, I was uh, doing my uh, graduate studies in the States. And when I came back to visit, I was like, what is this code thing? No, I'm going to pay. I don't know what's going on. I felt like a <laughs> you know like a an old person being deserted by modern technology when i came back but it was really i remember the that's how i felt when i first came back and a couple months later when i came back again i remember like those little vendors on the street side or even just you know like yeah. people living in rural china they were all using that it was just kind of it just went all over china immediately and everybody's like 
okay we're on board i know it was i I felt the same way i was so it was so bizarre and how fast it happened exactly what you're talking about like so people ride these uh like rickshaw vehicles with like i don't know like corn they had those too yeah they they bring them from the countryside into the city it's not actually that far and then like you you go outside on your street corner there's someone selling corn and you walk over and if you were trying to pay with cash now they would be like i'm sorry i don't know what that is no 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 you have to scan this little code they have and pay digitally like that's how it's done you know a lot of it's not even scanning anything so like if you take a dd which is like chinese answer to uber like you don't scan anything you just in your phone it automatically charges you yeah and then later on you put your fingerprints or your code onto your phone and it just pays that taxi driver at any time before your next ride yeah i mean that's kind of just you know seamless uh transactions that they they develop as part of the cashless economy that they're trying to build and now uh, I think I hope I'm right. They are starting to push the digital RMB as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're really kind of just skipping over the whole, you know, the card step of uh, going from cash economy to cashless economy. China really never really had a period where credit card was the main method of. Uh, yeah, I was talking to my mom about that. I was yeah. like, uh, I was trying to explain like the cashless society here in China to my mom. And she's like, oh yeah, but I use my credit card. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's like, we're a couple steps after that. We don't, ha- I don't have to push some buttons that have like a code on them on like a, yeah. a panel inside of like the, the grocery store. I just yeah. scan something and it's done. I remember, uh, I saw this video of, um, uh, I forgot his name, but he's American as well. And lived in, I think Chongqing for many years. And his, his, his Chinese, it's not even Mandarin anymore, his Chinese is Chongqing dialect, and there's a video of him going back to New York. And he was, I think that was a genuine video of him paying the, the parking meter with coins, and he was so frustrated he was like looking for coins and just inserting it in there. And he was saying to his wife in Chongqing dialect, he was like, why can't we have the QR code? <laughs> it would be so easy. I've been here for five minutes. I still don't have all the coins I need to park here for 12 minutes. <laughs> Half of my parking time is gone. Yeah. You know, I actually, when I got cash, the last time I went back to the States, I went into like a restaurant and like I had still had some Chinese RMB with me from the airport. Not because I brought it from China. I actually just got it at the airport because I was like, okay, I'm going to need cash. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I went into the restaurant, I actually they saw that i had chinese this guy this a kid 18 year old kid uh behind the you know i guess he's 18 i'm just guessing <laughs> and he saw that i had some chinese money and he was like oh wow that's so cool what's that and i was like uh this is one rmb and he's like oh if you give that to me i'll just pay for all your meal and i was like what yeah, okay <laughs> because there's like 20 cents or something 22 i don't know what it was and you got a free meal out of it i, I got like a cup co- i went to taco bell i got like two or three burritos or something i was like yeah woo I just paid one RMB for my lunch. This is the new <laughs> use of RMB now. It's not even for Yeah, now it's like, wow, look, foreign currency. I'll I'll take that. That's crazy. <laughs> He's pro- he probably took it back and just waved it around of his college, his classmates. I've got Chinese Yeah, money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Collecting money from the debt collector. <laughs> That's what I need to do. Every I need to get like cash from like seven different, eight different. Every time I go in, it's just like, oh, yes, I do have one euro. <laughs> oh, I want to run into that kid. I want to free oh, meal. Oh, sorry. I already did it. It's, he's, he's not going to do it again. He's already got <laughs> it's one. It's one off. A lot 
lot of Americans, they invest in their 401ks or they try to do what we call indexing, which means buying some stocks. I mean, I shouldn't say a lot. Mm. I think it's probably less than half, actually. I think, you know, it's a small percentage of Americans. They understand that they can get a good deal by investing in stocks. And in China, Mm -hmm. people invest in real estate. This is like a huge difference. So, like, (laughs) um, it's actually really complicated because there's a generational thing. Oh, my God. Because the one child policy. I know a girl, sorry, a woman. Mm -hmm. uh, She's about 25. She just got married. I'm not going to say her name, but she has five houses and the reason is wow she got one from each like grandparent and like uncle with no children and Mm -hmm. stuff because one child policy all of the real estate funneled down to her yeah and so she's just in beijing renting all these places out and she has a job she doesn't need a job she could just collect she just has she could just collect rent but she chooses to work full-time because you know that's the thing to do so but it's not just about that like people also when i was trying to marry my beautiful (laughs) wife from shandong I, her mom was like you don't own a home yeah you need to own a home where's your home my wife was like i love him i'm gonna do it anyway and so we got we ended up getting married and you know her mom and i get along wonderfully now it's not like it was the end of the world in fact she lives here with me right now yeah and has been oh by the way i just had a fried a green fried green pepper pork it was delicious <laughs> fried green pepper pork yeah it was really good anyways i think i need to ask summer what it is <laughs> she said it was called oh gosh it's called la jiao chow Juro, yeah. Yes. Oh, that is, oh, I love that dish. So I just had that before we went on to record because mom's here. Anyways, so everything Send some, please. She was really adamant about it for a couple months until Summer was like, I don't care. I love him. Mm. So like, but she was like, you know, you need to buy a home and you need to have be making like mortgage payments. And that's how we know that you're a viable like partner for our daughter. And this was a huge deal that we overcome through, you know, my charm. It is a very <laughs> different you know, generational, uh, you know, recognition of the importance of real estate. My mom is with Summer's mom. She's like, you need to have your own house. Like you need to, I will, we talked about, you remember, she wanted to help me with a down payment and you're like, you should take it. Hmm. But I'm just like, I don't know where I want to live for the next 10 years. You know, if I buy this house, what if I want to change it? Then do I have to sell it and then buy another one and then do... <laughs> the, you know the thing to do in, increasingly is just to buy you know your hometown in uh, Dongbei. Yeah. Go yeah. there and just buy a house. Just buy one. I know it's Boom, it's done. cheaper, and then but she's like, you need to use this quota under your name in Beijing and get this house. And then she wants everything. This she's like, this house needs to do A B C D all the way to the last letter in the Transformers. alphabet. But <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm like, mom, you're not you're never gonna find a house like that and then she's like but you need a place to stay like for her it's not just you know a financial decision it's also like Hmm. if you don't have a house that's that has your name on it you don't have a home i'm like "Mm." well i mean i i actually think the chinese cultural like valuation of a home is really important and this is caught up with people in america yeah there's a new meme going around right now Uh it's very very recent so there was a thing called the 10-year challenge for the last few weeks where people were posting pictures of themselves oh yeah 10 years ago and themselves now i saw that so someone took that and they made the next you know iteration of this where they're like the here's the real 10-year challenge minimum wage in 2010 
$7.25. Minimum wage now, $7.25. Oh, cost, cost of renting an apartment, you know, like $1,000. Cost of renting an apartment now, $2,800. Yeah. $2, and it's yeah. like, here's the, you know, this is what's happening to Americans is that a small amount of people or a smaller amount of people own all the real estate mm. and everyone else has become a serf. They've become indentured yeah. to the owners of real estate. And one of the things about the common prosperity being developed here in China is that pretty much every family has at least one home. So like, yeah, yeah so either your mom and dad are ho have a home or you have a home and your mom and dad have a yeah. ho your home and maybe your grandparents have a home or you have every family, you know, structure has at least one home, sometimes two or three at least. Homes. Yeah. And so like there's no insecurity and there's very low taxes. If you only own one home in China, you pay virtually nothing for taxes. So it's your home yeah. in america you'll still have taxes in pretty much every state you have to pay property taxes on top of the fact that most people don't own, own a home yeah or if they do they only own like 10 or 20 percent because if they reverse mortgage their home oh my the god banks just own everything and nothing's going to be able to be inherited because the banks are going to take it away when your grandparents die because they reverse mortgage their home so many times and, and following that train of thoughts we in china we really don't try to encourage people from buying multiple real estate properties and flip them and make money. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. like you said, the first, if you own one house, one property, the tax is low. But if you try to own more, then the tax goes significantly to the next tier. That just, you know, that just deters people from trying to make money from that so that it still could be as available as they could be to as many people as they could be. You're absolutely right. And, you know, people get around that a little bit by just like having their cousin own the home. And stuff like that. But, you know, <laughs> so that means, you know, in, in the event of an emergency, cousin does have a home. But, you know, it is exactly exactly. A lot of people are really concerned about the real estate economy over here. There's nothing to be concerned about. The demand for real estate is not going away. People in China love to get them some homes. <laughs> I, I wouldn't lie. Like in the beginning, I was like, I don't want to you know, I don't want to own a home. I don't think I'll ever make enough money to own a home. And then as I'm looking at my friends just getting small apartments under their name they're paying for everything maybe their parents help a little bit with the the, the down payment and then they pay about the same money that i pay for rent every month but mm, it's mm, going mm, towards mm, the payment mm. of their own home i'm like yeah maybe. they're using your rent to make their payments when your mom is offering you a down payment and you could be paying your own mortgage i am not very good at making financial decisions jason just <laughs> just consider your your mom the per the decision maker right i should <laughs> just say oh Okay, mom. And then you can't, maybe you don't tick like 20 boxes. You tick five. But, you know, mom's going to be a lot happier that some boxes have been ticked. Oh, well, that's debatable. But I will, this makes me wish that she did understand English so that she could hear what we're talking about. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about dowry. You know, like there's, I think it doesn't exist as much as it used to, but it still exists, I think, especially in rural areas where like it sometimes comes from either family. It's not always that the male's family provides like or the 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 suitor, the male suitor provides money. Sometimes it's the other way around. So I don't think there's one monolithic way that Chinese people all have this system but sometimes it's like hey you know you give i don't know 20,000 or 30,000 or whatever amount of money to the family what i've heard is that oftentimes that money just ends up going back to this the couple anyway how does that work in your family would your mom or a family expect that uh, i don't 
think so. I think my mom would probably be like uh, Summer's mom. I'd be like, do you own a home? You own a house? Yeah. Yeah. You know, my daughter's going to marry into the whole idea of this thing was for like it came from, you know, when people were uh, most of Chinese people were living in rural areas. And when they married their daughter to this to the to the to the guy or whatever, they need something in exchange to it's like they both need each other. So that's sort of an exchange Mm, mm. of fortune and of course not everything about that is commendable and i personally don't like the idea i feel like it feels like i'm being sold as as a product i was like i don't know this very much exists in western society completely and, and really yeah see people just overlook it you know the cost of the engagement or wedding ring is supposed to be three months salary i know so if someone makes say i don't know fifty thousand, what's that that's about median wage i don't maybe in the united states just mm-hmm. roughly so what is that so we're talking about twelve thousand five hundred dollars is the cost of what the wedding or engagement ring should yeah. ideally cost that's actually a pretty substantive amount it's more than what we're talking about in china that is that's that's true that is a transfer of, of money from the male to the female in western mm. society a lot of people don't look at it they're like oh America, i never we, thought we about it that dowry. way americans are like we don't have dowries but what are you talking about you just gave her diamonds and gold what are you <laughs> like yeah that that in a way that is kind of like a dowry you know it exists because like you know if you're in 16th century france and you you know maybe sell four cows i'm just making this up by the way yeah for you sell four cows a year or four goats a year then you have to have one goat worth of of gold ring or whatever for your your bride because after you die you want to make sure she's good for at least a solid three months before she starves (laughs) that's uh that's I mean, we have different ways of doing that, but I don't I don't I'm like, what if it's an unhappy marriage? I don't want to be related to you. <laughs> Sorry, that's dark. That's real. That's too dark. Well, You know, people have insurance now. Right. So like, oh, if the, one of the spouses die, then you get like, I don't know, a million dollars or whatever it is. You know, so they have life insurance. So like it seems like the ring yeah. thing is no longer necessary because it was kind of like an insurance policy. OK. Dude's dead now, you know, horses trampled him. Like, I... Yeah, dude's, dude, he's dead. Let me let me just sell this thing that commemorates our marriage so that I keep oh, on living. Oh, that was, that was dark, too. Right? That's so dark. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Like, I, I, rings are super expensive, but I felt like um, if you look at the amount, and that's really good thinking, by the way. I never thought about, you know, the, the, the wedding ring at something that's so, it's basically like dowry. It's basically just money going to the girl or mm. maybe not her family as much. Much, but it's definitely going to her but it's the whole idea of giving money to each other i think the reason why it existed in different culture is because that you know if you really think saying that oh if we love each other we don't need anything else to be you know on top of this um then what's that piece of paper doing <laughs> so you know what like said for mm. uh, a legal binding because society built it that way then this whole money exchange thing is also kind of society trying to just put a little bit more on how what makes a marriage a little bit different than just having a relationship and mm. it's people are doing it in a more different ways now in china especially a city like young people in the cities they're probably a lot more after the idea of being equal participants of a marriage and they don't like to feel, you know, one side is needing the side, the other side a lot more. Mm-hmm. So usually now, of course, a lot more young people are trying to do prenups or uh, with the changes in the, the marriage law recently, like everything that you, you have before when you get a divorce is still your own. 
legally you might have a little bit of an insurance that even if your marriage didn't go through too well you wouldn't lose everything but more than that it's like people just wanted to be keeping their own you know not integrity but they want to feel as the same person before and after they get married. I mean everything you're saying makes sense on one level to me and I completely agree with you and at the same time another because I think we're all made up of competing ideas within ourselves on another part of me is completely Mm -hmm. disagrees so i like it's like what happened to i'm gonna be with this person my entire life and so like taking that leap i know you know that it's gonna work out and this is we're gonna build a future together and you know our you know my finances will i guess mingle with theirs and we'll be responsible for each other and we'll grow together and like yeah so like i i like the idea of a prenup because the divorce is a real problem yeah or not a problem a reality right yeah because for some people it's not a problem it's a solution yes but like at the same time what does that say about your hopes for like this relationship it's so like tragically necessary tragic and necessary oh it's it's kind of bitter it's really really kind of awful thinking about it i know for me it's it's you know personally i don't think i'll ever sign a marriage prenup i don't think i'm gonna be marrying some you know <laughs> uh, tycoons of you know hotel tycoons or whatever that they need a, a financial guarantee this legal paper from me like you're not going to take my family fortune for me it's like i agree with you jason if you're for me it's if i'm not ready for that leap of faith to go through the rest of my life then why do i bother you know with the whole marriage thing then unless you know we're really in it for the long haul and then on top of that i really don't think that i'll ever and i'm knocking on wood that i'll ever need financial support from another person and if this person is not part of my financial support system i wouldn't be able to live my live my life i felt i consider myself a pretty you know, capable person, I will be able, I should be able to take care of myself one way or another. So I don't think that'll ever come up in my future marriage scenario. It does come up in other people's scenarios and I respect other people's choices, but I do agree if we're saying, Hey, let's walk down the aisle. Let's whatever bow in front of our parents and families and make this, this oath to each other, then I don't know, go through with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think you're right. I think this only comes up with when you have like a someone who has not riches, but yeah, wealth. like you would literally ruin <laughs> yeah. their family. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, my, well, I don't know. We have three homes. We might be able to part with one. <laughs> yeah, it's more like we own three cities and we can't give you one of those. Yeah, cities. yeah, yes. You're going to really disrupt our logistics yes. company. <laughs> Okay, so, um, you know, I want to talk about red envelopes. Oh. This is a, a little more fun than yes. the prospect of divorce. I know. So in America, like when I was a kid, my grandpa would always give me a silver dollar. And so this is kind of like that, but it's a lot more than yeah. that sometimes, I think. So uh, the Chinese New Year's is upon us, right? Two weeks so away. What happens when, uh, you know, children go and see their uncles, their aunts, their grandparents mm. on Chinese, during Chinese New Year and other times throughout I the mean, year? I mean, other times throughout the year, you're just going to have an amazing meal. Mm. Mm. All right, that's mm. so it. It's just Chinese New Chinese, Year. Chinese New Year, though. That's your biggest financial gain of the year as a kid. You're gonna you all you need to do is to say whatever. Some nice words, sweet things you can say to your family, uh senior members and And bow. And bow. And they're gonna sometimes they don't even wait for you to do that. They're just like, oh, you're here. Take the money. I'm like, okay. You know, I remember the la- one of the last times we spoke in a former episode, you mentioned that your mother kept the money. 
and then used it? Yes, she did. I'm a, I teach a kindergarten, so I wanted to field for like cultural differences amongst the different families. And I have a bunch of kids uh -huh. and I asked them, OK, who's going to get a red envelope in Chinese New Year? And they're all me, 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 me. And I was like, ah, Jason, I'm going to get so much money. And I was like, oh, OK, calm down. OK, yeah. who get where, who says I'm going to keep the money in my room and it's mine. And it was, uh, most of the kids held. I said, who after they get money, mommy's going to keep it. And like two or three hands went up and I was like, ha ha. These are the little Alex's. <laughs> they are the other people who didn't raise their hands are lying. <laughs> They're lying. Their parents definitely kept the money. Uh -huh, uh -huh. They said their mom and dad. Give it to them. So why would mom give them a red envelope and then take it back out? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just starting to hurt. It burns. <laughs> yes, I'm feeling that gaping hole in my heart um, that could be filled with my envelope money. Oh, well, you know, she, she, she does want to give you a down payment for a house. This is your chance to get it back with interest. I can I can square this one yeah. off. But I also, I, you know, I, I really quick, we're off topic, but uh, I was asking the kids like, because I, you know, I find that different parts of China and different Chinese families, they don't all do everything the same. Everything's yeah. a little bit different. Yeah. So I was asking my kids, okay, I want you to tell me on the first day when you guys are having Chinese New Year, who goes to mom's mom's house? And mm. like almost all the hands went up. And I was like, who goes to mom or dad's mom's <laughs> house? And two or three hands went up. I was like, ah, yep. <laughs> this the penny drops, you know, like different, you know, China's not all the same. Okay, oh, I want to give you another example. I can't say the name of the company, but a company made an educational PPT about what Chinese New Year is. And I gave it to a teacher to uh -huh. do with my class. I get, so they were teaching my class for about 20 minutes and they stood up to do this PPT. And about three slides in, we realized whatever was in this PPT was like 90% wrong. Mm. So we were like, okay, stop that, stop that. I'm taking over. And I was like stepped in and my, my TA, who yeah. my teaching assistant who is Chinese, we took over and, and taught the children the correct things. But some of the things in this were like, you don't on the third day of Chinese New Year. You don't go see family. It's forbidden. You must go to such and, and it was well, what? This is not true. Like this is just like some I don't know. Maybe just some British guy made this stuff up. Or I don't. We had no idea. But it was like okay. So maybe like you know some family from China left China a hundred years ago and three generations later someone made a PPT about what they think happens in China. Yeah. But it like you know different. Places in China are not the same and customs are not the same. Absolutely. So like Absolutely. when people think, oh, this is what Chinese culture is like. First, take no. a step back and think, <laughs> which Chinese culture are you talking about? Exactly. Which part of China are you trying to talk about? Yeah. And also the fact that, you know, these cultural habits, not habits, but these so-called uh, rules or customs of Chinese New Year were probably more observed and practiced like, I don't know, 100, 200 years ago mm, when mm, technology mm. wasn't even a word and people had nothing else to do. And then the whole, this is the biggest holiday that they could celebrate. Of course, mm. people are going to make up. It's like a game. People are going to make up all kinds of rules. Mm. But nowadays, like you only get seven days off for Chinese New Year break. You don't you don't try to be like, I'm not going to do this on day one. I'm going to do this on day two. You're like, whatever I can do, I will Doublings do it. Yeah. No, that, that's too much. That's too much dumplings. No, I'm looking forward to dumplings. Oh, my God. I will send you some. I'll make some and just send. Hopefully, by the time the dumplings get there, it's still good. <laughs> but I the, the thing is, when people, you know, look at different um uh, things about China on the Internet, they're like, oh, yeah, it's on the Internet. It's true. I'm like, mm, no, no. <laughs> Thank you.
Let's switch gears a little bit to changing spending habits. So, mm. you know, the way that your mom uses money and the way that you use money, obviously not the same. Pretty right? different. Yep. Yeah. So why don't you go first? So my mom and people and so including my cousin, who's uh, she's 10 years older than me, nine years older than me. They kind of grew up in uh, in, the, in the idea that if you buy stuff, it has to be like every unit of your purchase has to be great quality. So she's always, mm-hmm. my mom would take me to uh, the SKP mall, which is one of the most expensive malls in Beijing, probably China. And then she would say like, you know, you're going to work every day, you know, make yourself look presentable. So all of those Forever 21s, Urban Outfitters, you know, things that are in your closet need to just go and you need to. Wow. Yeah. She's like, you need to buy. Every time she sees me, she's like, what brand are you wearing? Not in a <laughs> designer brand kind of way, but she's like, is this a natural brand? Or is this something that you wow. just picked up from, you know, the side of the street or something? Your mom sounds like a really modern kind of savvy lady. Uh, d- uh, modern? I don't know. But savvy. Yes, Absolutely. She goes, she's, she would be like, you know, if you wear cheap clothes, things, it's first off very bad for your skin. And, and, <laughs> uh, and, and, and second, second, and you don't know what people are going to think about when they look at the things you're wearing and they will take you for less than what you actually are because of the way you dress yourself. Yeah. yeah dress for the role, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Yeah, right. But I was like, mom, these are okay. These look just fine. They're just not expensive clothing items, but she loves those. And I was like, mom, I need to change clothes every day. I don't have money to buy, you know, these t-shirts that go, they're like 800 quite a piece. And then the pants that's like 2000 quite. I'm like, I don't have money to buy that. And then she was like, and then she wouldn't pay for the clothes sometimes, but she's still like, you need those clothes. So buy yourself i'm like no i'm not gonna buy i'm not gonna buy that and so that's the same with my cousin as well she makes a lot more money than i do of course but she would spend that on like a a handbag or a pair of shoes or a watch that Mm. would like wipe out a whole month of her salary but that makes her feel very good i can't do that i'm not that kind of spender i would love i would much rather uh, love to spend that money on any electronic gadgets well, I mean, or traveling i kind of actually i mean i think it really depends like the way you're talking about your mom or maybe your your cousin is it a little bit mm-hmm. of kind of like my wife you know she she I, I was the kind of person who i buy like a junky toy watch that says chucky e. cheese on it and then like <laughs> <laughs> you know six months later i need a new one you know yeah. but like my wife actually got me a watch and it is a um, it's a brand it's mm-hmm. a nice brand you know one of the ones that you would know yes. and it's the I've had it for six years, you know, because I could guess. You know, well, you could, but I've had it for six years and it keeps time. It loses or gains like a minute a year, you know, like it's so precise. It, it only needs a new battery every like I think we replaced the battery once yeah. in the six years that I've had it. It looks nice. It's professional. I could shake hands with it with anyone and I'd feel like, OK, about the watch that I'm wearing instead of like me getting a watch that says Star Wars on it, like <laughs> <laughs> like that I got in a gumball machine or something. She got me one that I could use for 20 20 years, you know, like a real adult watch. So that's the way kind of what my wife spends money. She like, okay, let's buy the thing last that, is time, yeah. that will last a long time. Not just a bunch of like small purchases over a long period of time that are junky and ultimately add up to one good yeah, thing. Yeah, I guess that's actual purchasing. Like you're actually, because the whole concept of a, a consumer consuming is you buy to own, right? You buy a watch to own it. Mm-hmm. Now it's more like a lot of the fast product mm, mm. that's involved in our everyday life 
It's like, I am buying to replace. Like I'm buying this knowing that in a very short time in the future, I need to replace it mm-hmm. with the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like an Apple watch, you know? You know, you, you, the way that your mom spends money is a little bit different from the way my wife and her mom spend money. So my wife is like, you know, how kind of how your mom is a little bit. It sounds like anyways, at least yeah. on the surface. But her mom is more like every, it's not about quality. It's about the the usefulness. So like, instead of going out to dinner, mm. we're going to buy all our vegetables and meat at like the at like a, this market and then we're going to buy all of the things that we consume in the bathroom at this market and then ah. we're going to go like you know, so like everything is the cheapest and the most efficient that it could be you spend like two or three hours walking around shopping or whatever but then like dinner is like the most efficient thing that you could possibly have like for my mom it's actually more like we must have extra virgin olive oil and avocados you know mm-hmm. like that's what's healthy for us and we want to live a very long time so we're going to like and I'm like avocados are delicious uh-huh. but also you know like the cheapest vegetable oil is also fine with me yeah that's the thing like i think parents generation go for quality whether they want to source it from different places or not like how practical they want to be or how much trouble they're willing to go through to get it that's you know that differs from group to group like chinese parents chinese damas and chinese grandpas they would mm. travel they would go on the bus or the subway to go to this one morning market where they know the vegetables are already fresh and whatever and then bring it back for me. I'm just like, okay, order on Olama and get the get the groceries done. <laughs> Sometimes I'm willing to spend a little more money, but I'm not going out to get yeah, it. Yeah, I need Listerine, but but that's not enough. So I guess I guess toothbrushes and floss and this other thing. Yep. And oh, there's a toy. Look, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, extra chocolate. Let's get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna need that before I brush my teeth. <laughs> this is how I live now. This is like I'm buying one thing means buying the whole apartment. Mm. You know, I I want to say that family obligations in terms of finances are a bit maybe different so i wanted to flesh mm. this out a little bit in america generally sure. like you have a cousin or something and they're they're hit hard times okay good luck cousin <laughs> you know if it's your brother or your mom or your kid yeah sure they're probably going to move in with each other with the expectation that they need to get back on their feet and get back out mm-hmm. and in, in retirement we've t- we've talked about it a bit older people usually go to i don't know a retirement home a lot of the mm-hmm. time in america a lot of people are saving to have a nice retirement home in fact yeah. in america but it seems like it's a little bit different in china i feel like if my wife's cousin was down on her luck we would just be like okay here's the spare bedroom yeah like it's a it seems a little more obligatory to take in family which is okay you know i don't mind like when grandma or when her mom or whatever gets really old that she just comes and lives with us mm-hmm. but it definitely seems like a, a bigger uh oblig- obligation in china than it does in america what do you think i mean from i can only speak about my own family we have always been mm. trying to help out I mean, I don't have siblings. My parents both do. And they were trying to help out their siblings and their siblings' children. My mom kind of looks at her siblings' children almost as her own. Uh, Maybe not to spend so much time with them, but when it comes to their career, their family, you know, um, any difficulties they might have in their own life, my mom kind of just takes it on as her own responsibility to help them sort it out. And also because she is probably the, you know, um, she's the one in her family that's doing the best financial uh, finance wise. So she feels like she needs mm. to, you know, bring everybody up as well. And she's been doing that for a long time. And that's kind of the case for a lot of families um, in China. If you're doing significantly better than your siblings and you feel like at least I can help their children, you know, that's the least I could do. Huh. Um, yeah. So uh, I am very close with my, some of my siblings from uh, some of my cousins from my mom's side and, 
they have been very supportive as well. I haven't really needed them for anything. Let's hope I don't ever, but I'm sure if I did, they will welcome me with an op- with open you know, open. You arms. actually bring up something interesting that happened to me that I didn't expect. My family wasn't isn't super close or hasn't tradition like over my lifetime been very close with my mom's side of the family. But when I graduated with my bachelor's degree, I suddenly got all of these envelopes with like $50 in them or $100 in them from cousins I'd never heard of before. <laughs> and was like, oh, okay, I guess this is a thing oh. on that side of the family. But I'd never even really heard of it. I didn't, I don't know if that's yeah. an American thing or just like that's, they They just all got together and let's, let's gag Jason. <laughs> I don't know. But. That's, that is to say, Jason, we're giving you some stuff right now in the future when we need you, make sure you're there that's why i moved to china <laughs> <laughs> you know uh there's a lot more to talk about but as usual we're out of time alex no! <laughs> <laughs> all right talk to you next time and it's always great being here on the bridge with that speaks you. for both of us and i'll see you next time jason <laughs>